Good evening, everyone, and thank you for being here. This is an incredibly special event, one not witnessed in our lifetime, or ever for that matter. We are here to select the couple that will give birth to and raise the savior of this world. This baby is the one that each of us, all of mankind has been waiting for. He is the Messiah promised, and his name will be Jesus. Now, only one couple will be selected, and you should be aware that certain requirements will be asked of you. I will quickly go through the list, and if you choose not to participate, feel free to leave at any time, and thank you for your interest. So here we go. The couple must not yet be married, but engaged, which should be all of you. This sounds crazy, but ladies, you will become pregnant and not by your fiance or any other man. It will be the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not fully qualified to explain how that will work, so an angel will be coming to do just that. Many won't understand, and you're gonna have to be okay with that. It will be a difficult pregnancy, requiring painful travel. In fact, you will deliver in an unfamiliar place far from home. You'll have no place to stay, no hospitals, no doctors, no nurses. You probably assume this already, but it will be a natural birth, no drugs. When the baby's born, you will wrap him in rags and lay him in a box that farm animals eat from. It'll be far from sanitary, but as difficult as it'll be, it will be a joyous time. Our savior will be here in the form of your son. Then Jesus will grow up and he'll eventually reveal who he is. He will be perfect, both fully God and fully human. He will show us how to love. He'll heal the sick and he'll give hope to the weary, which is all of us. But he will also die at a relatively young age and suffer beyond anything we can imagine. And mom, you will watch this happen until the very end. In his final days, he'll be mocked, whipped, and beaten to the point you won't recognize your son. He'll be betrayed, accused, and sentenced to be nailed to a cross. As he hangs on that cross in pain, he'll even feel that God left him. He'll hang there until he can no longer breathe. So those were the hard parts. Who here is ready to get in line? Even if we could volunteer for this role, we probably wouldn't. It would be too difficult for most, if not all of us. But thankfully, God has already chosen those with whom he found favor to usher in the greatest gift this world has ever been given. A gift in the form of a baby. Take your Bibles tonight. Please turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Thankfully, Mary did not know all that Jesus Christ would go through and all that she would have to witness. She knew her son was special. 
She knew that he was the son of God. She knew that he was the king of the Jews. And she knew that he was the Messiah. She did not know he would die on a cross and she would have to witness it. Can you imagine if a meeting like the one we just watched had have taken place, I don't know if they'd ever found a volunteer. Well, thankfully, Mary was one that was willing to submit herself to the will of God and the work of God to be used of God. And tonight we're going to look at the call of Mary from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And if you look there with me, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored of the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God that reveals to us the will of God and shares with us this incredible calling that Mary received. Help us as we look at it tonight, Lord, to be challenged, inspired, and helped. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts. And Father, that you'd help me to preach. Fill me with thy spirit, we pray. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The video we just watched approaches Mary from a perspective that what if she knew what was about to happen? We don't know all that Mary was aware of. The Bible shares some things. Like I just said, she knew that her son was special, that he would be called the Son of God. Verse 32 says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give him in the throne of his father David. Verse 36 says, um, or sorry, verse uh, 36, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. Uh, I got you the wrong verse. I'm sorry. Look at verse 35. And the angel, angel answered and said unto her, thy holy ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We know that he was called the king of the Jews, and Mary was aware of that. Verse 32 and 33 talks about his kingdom having no end, and that he would inherit the throne of his father, David. In verse 33, we see he's also the Messiah. He shall reign over the house of Jacob, look what it says, forever. 
This was not just a temporary throne or a throne that Saul or David or Solomon might possess for 40 years, but this was an eternal throne. He was the Messiah, the King of Kings. The angels or the shepherds came and worshipped after hearing of a Savior being born. And the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. The word pondered there in the Greek means to put them together in one's mind. In other words, the angels had come. The baby was born, the shepherds came, later the wise men would come. And every time that somebody came and proclaimed the goodness of God and worshipped this little baby, more pieces of the puzzle came together. And Mary began to understand and piece things together in her mind. And we know that Mary knew a lot, but I don't believe she knew everything. But nonetheless, even with what little bit she did know, the fact of her calling is an amazing thing, that she would so freely surrender. Mary's was a bit different than that of Joseph. Her call was the same. It was a call to servanthood, a call to sacrifice, and a call to surrender. Those are the three things we talked about the life of Joseph. But the difference was, if Joseph so decided, he could walk away. But once that child was conceived, Mary was in for life. There was no way out. There was no way to back out of the situation. And so Mary was committed to life. As we see and we consider her calling tonight, she had to surrender once and for all. Her life was guarded physically from Herod's torture, but also spiritually from Satan's wrath. I, you know, I, I, it would no doubt be a joy. Now think about this. When we think about the, the calling that Mary received... I have a feeling, like any young lady who was a spouse to be married, she was probably already planning on having children. The child part of this was not a, necessarily a sacrifice. She was planning on having children. As a matter of fact, the child that she would have would never throw a tantrum at two years old. There would be no teenage drama. There'd be no issues of, of uh, problems at school or, or fighting or back-talking or any discipline issues whatsoever. He was the perfect son of God. So uh, for every woman that's ever had a child, this was not a sacrifice. This was a blessing to have the child Jesus Christ. So instead of looking at the calling itself tonight, I want to look at the background a little bit and ask you this question. How did she get her life in a position that God would call her. Because really that's where we're at. That's really the important part here. You see, whatever God calls you to do individually, you're just to obey. Whatever God lays upon your heart, that's what you're to do. It's difficult for me. Sometimes I'll have a young man come in my office and he'll say, Pastor, I'm just trying to figure out the will of God for my life. And I look at him and say, I don't know. Because I don't know. The will of God for your life is special. It's something that is unique to you. Now, if he comes into my office and says, well, I believe God's called me to preach, then I can push him in the right direction. He says, I believe that God's called me to teach a Sunday school class, or I believe God's called me to serve in some way in the church, and what is it you would like me to do? And so we can help in those areas, but if you just say, what is the will of God for my life? My answer usually is, I really don't know. I can pray with you. 
I can get you into some scriptures that'll help you determine for yourself what is God's will for your life, but for each one of us, God's will is different. So the question is, who does God call? Who are the ones, let me, let me say this, there are exceptions in the Bible that are just that, they are exceptions to the rule. Paul calling Saul on the road to Damascus was an exception to the rule. Paul, nor God normally will call somebody like Timothy, somebody that has been trained up in the word of God and somebody that has been faithful to the things of God and faithful to the house of God. And that's who God normally will call those exceptions that we see to the rule in the word of God. Don't count on that. But instead, ask yourself, how can I put myself in a position where I can be used of God? We notice some things about Mary tonight that put her in a position that when God called, he knew that she'd answer in the affirmative. We notice, first of all, that she was favored. The Bible tells us twice in verse 28 and verse 30, the Bible says, and the angel came in unto her and said, hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 30, and the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I want to mention to you tonight that Mary stood out. She had a tender spirit. There was something different in Mary, and if she was in a youth group, she was the young lady that stood out from all the other girls. She had a, 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 an apparent love for God. Her attitude was different. She, her willingness to serve all stood out to God. There was something different about her. There are a few instances in the Bible where we see such characters. The Bible talks about Job, and Job was being persecuted, of course, by Satan, and God put his spotlight upon his life and says, hast thou considered my servant Job, a perfect and an upright man, one that escheweth evil? There's a few in the Bible, others like that, that we threw through, see throughout scripture. The Bible talks about Simeon in just a couple chapters from here in Luke chapter two, and it talks about how he had been a righteous and a devout man. The Bible talks about Stephen, that first deacon in Acts chapter six, and it says that he was a man that was steadfast and full of the Holy Ghost. There are a certain group of people that God chooses to, to use for his honor and for his glory. And I want you to know tonight, it's not a coincidence. It's because they are favored of God. When I say favored, I don't mean that God has made them his favorite. I mean that God has noticed them because they behave differently. Because they are faithful to the word of God, they are faithful in their devotions, they are faithful in growing spiritually, and they, they decide at some point in their life that they are going to live a life of consecration and separation and a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. And when God is looking for laborers, that's who he chooses. She was favored. Let me ask you tonight, have you considered, is God going to use you? I struggle sometimes because I will get young people in my office or even older people and they will say something like, well, what, what, what can I do, pastor? Would it be okay if I taught a class or something? And normally I'll try to advise them and say, well, you know, let's do this. Let's, let's start something where else. Let's, let's start in the bus ministry. Let's teach some kids on the bus. Sit with a kid on the bus and share the gospel with them. Before you teach a class full of people, Let's go and teach a class full of five-year-olds and give them the very simple gospel message before you teach a class of adults and try to get into deep doctrinal truths. Let's 
You know, a lot of times they say, oh, I really don't, I'm not interested in that. The truth is they don't have a heart to serve, they have a heart to be seen. Did you catch that? They don't have a heart to serve, they have a heart to be seen. Pastor, I want to I wanna sing the big solo. I'm not interested in singing any other time of the year, but if I could sing the Christmas Eve solo, that'd be wonderful. They have a desire not to serve, but to be seen. Mary was the quiet and meek and tender-hearted one who worked her way into a position where God could use her. Did she feel inadequate? No doubt she did. Here she is, about to, uh, excited about marriage and excited about having a family, but never anticipated her first child would be the very son of God. That, that's a tall order for a young lady. And yet she was willing, but she was favored. I want you to notice, secondly, she was fit. I'm not talking about physically tonight, I'm talking about spiritually. The Bible says in verse 28, and the angel came in under her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. Look at the next phrase. The Lord is with thee. Do you know that the Holy Ghost doesn't just fill anybody? The Holy Ghost, the Bible says, doesn't work in a dirty vessel. He wants somebody that's fit. Somebody that's clean. Mary was different. She was set apart unto God. And God could use her because she was spiritually fit. And again, I'll ask you the same question as we talk about being favored and, and doing the right things that God might use us. Let me ask you, are you spiritually fit? Are you spending time in God's word? You say, well, I want to I disciple somebody. I want to be a help to somebody. Do, have you yourself been discipled? Do you know the word of God? Are you ready to give an answer? Have you prepared yourself? I understand that not everybody is called to full-time service. But everybody is called to service. Everybody is called to be a soul winner. Everybody is called to do something for God. Everybody is called to, to make their life fit that the Lord can use them. And it is our duty and responsibility to be faithful to the word of God and to grow spiritually. You say, well, you know, preacher, I, I'm not getting much out of your messages. Let me ask you this. What are you getting out of the word of God at home? What are you getting out of the, your prayer closet? What are you getting out of that personal time? Are you coming to Sunday school? Oh, well, yeah. no, no, no. Are you coming to Sunday school? There's three, four, five opportunities a week to come and sit under God's word. And if we only come one or two and, and we say we're not growing, whose fault is it? That's like eating one meal a day and saying you're hungry all the time. Get into the word of God. As far as I know, Bibles are not that hard to get a hold of anymore. And if you need one, I'll give you one. I promise you that tonight. If you need a Bible, you can have one. But you have to open it up. You have to get into it. And you have to read it. You have to spend some time with God. And, and when I say read the Bible, I mean read it with comprehension. You know, we, we have those Bible reading schedules we put out and we have uh, uh, some in the, in the bookstore, there's some chronological Bibles and there's some daily Bibles that are organized in daily reading. So it just takes the Bible and puts a few chapters of Genesis, a Psalm, a Proverb and a couple New Testament passages and you can just read every day right on through and have the whole Bible read in a year. Wonderful. But it doesn't mean anything if you're not getting anything out of it. If you're just speed reading to keep a schedule, it's not going to help you. But if you trip over one verse and God gets a hold of your heart and changes your life, that's a far more benefit 
to get into the word of God and get a little deeper. And I want you to know tonight that Mary was used of God because she was favored, but she was also spiritually fit. The Bible says the Lord is with thee. He doesn't spend time with just anybody. He will spend time with just anybody. But you have to surrender yourself to him. And you have to be a clean vessel. He said, are you sure about that? Here's what I know. The Bible says we can vex the Holy Ghost and we can grieve the Holy Ghost and we can sin against the Holy Ghost. But if we live clean lives, we can please the Holy Ghost and he can minister to us. She was favored, she was fit, but she was faithful. I got thinking about this thing that Mary was called to do. In the video, I showed it to you because really it can give you a whole sermon in just three minutes of what she was called to do, to watch her son die on a cross. And you know, when we think about the the scene of Calvary, I, I don't know if I could watch that. And he wasn't my son. I don't know if I could stand there and watch a man scream in agony and gasp for breath, beaten beyond recognition. I don't know if I could watch that. We used to like watching police programs. You ever watch Cops? I mean the real ones, not the... You ever watch Cops? You ever seen the show Cops? You're not going to admit it, I know, because it's TV, but some of you have watched Cops. I heard Brother Spong humming in the hallway the other day, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? I heard it, so I know he watches it. (laughs) No, he wasn't. I used to tease my wife. We would turn on Cops and say, hey, let's see if we can find your family. Just teasing her. Truth is, we saw a couple. No. But as I watched that program, something happened when I had children. We'd be watching cops, and there'd be an abuse against a child. A little kid crying in the back of the police car, and police officer trying to console them. And we couldn't watch it anymore. I had to shut it off. I said, I can't see that. I can't watch kids getting hurt like that. that. Now that I'm a father, that tears me up. And we just couldn't watch it anymore. And we just haven't watched that program in 20 years probably. How, how can you watch somebody on the cross like that? But the Bible says Mary was there. His mother was faithful right to the end. Here's what I got thinking about Mary. God has a perfect plan and he knows the beginning from the end. But from a human perspective, God could not afford to choose somebody who was going to backslide. It was too important of a job. She was going to birth the Savior of the world and raise him and take him to the temple every year and take him to the synagogue every week. She was going to make sure he was trained in the word of God. God couldn't afford a backslider. God couldn't have somebody that was going to give up and take the day off. Boy, that convicted me. God can't afford us to be backsliders either. Now, from God's perspective, God can, I mean, he can snap his fingers and replace me, no problem. He can replace you, no problem. But from a human perspective, the Bible says the fields are white, ready to harvest, but the laborers are few. 
And God has a desire to use you. And so he's asking tonight that you would be favored and that you'd be fit, but that you'd be faithful. All of these things were evident in Mary's life. Now mark this, before she was called. She wasn't called until she was already favored. She was already fit. The Lord was with her. She was already a faithful young lady. Let me ask you, how would God describe you? Are you highly favored? Are you ready to be used of God? Turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 20, the Bible says this. I'll actually back up to verse 19. Verse 19. Brother Austin's in the side room. I'll give you a little view into the side room doing the television ministry. And when I say turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, he hates it when I say back up to verse 19 because he's already got the verse on the screen ready to go. And I mess him up every time. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Man, isn't that a great statement? God knows you. Travis came here and sang, he knows my name. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. There's some things we notice about these verses about people that want to be used of God in the house of God. The Bible says in verse 20, in a great house, I think the house of God's a great house. They're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of vessel, vessels of wood and of earth. It doesn't say the wood and the earth are bad. It just makes a statement that they're there. The Bible goes on to say, but there's also vessels of honor and dishonor. Sometimes in our economy, we judge things and we'll say, well, the, the vessels of gold, they must be vessels of honor and the vessels of clay, they must be vessels of dishonor. But I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not what the scripture's saying. The scripture is telling us this, there are vessels of gold that are vessels unto honor and there are some that are vessels of dishonor. And then there's vessels of wood and clay that are vessels of honor. And then they are also some that are vessels of dishonor. Growing up at mom's, mom had her good china that we were never allowed to eat off of. Mom and dad would have the china and grandma would have the china and all the adults would have the china, but we never got to eat off the china. It's funny how the grandkids can eat off the china. They're special. But we were never, and, and there's still a joke, my brother will sit down and we'll look at each other and we'll see that china and it doesn't matter if it's Christmas or resurrection or what it is, he'll, he'll, he has some running total in his mind. He said, I think this is the seventh time we've got to eat off the china. And he keeps a tally going. Those are the vessels of honor. 
and we were dishonorable characters. We weren't allowed to use them. I guess we were afraid that we might break them. I think Jeff Ronson did break one one day, did he not? Him and Wade were loading the dishwasher and they threw the plates to each other. Not a good idea. But that doesn't, the value of something is not what makes it honorable before God. A vessel of honor is one that has sanctified itself unto God. Set itself apart. And look what the Bible says in verse 21. If a man therefore what? Purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. doesn't matter if you're gold, silver, wood, or clay. If you're clean, God can use you. Here's some simple statements to help you remember this thought. It's not about composition, but about consecration. It's not what you're made of. It's how you're separated unto God. It's not about composition, it's about consecration. Are you sold out for God? Are you uh, fit? Are you faithful? Are you favored? Are you like Mary? If, if God were to come to tonight, are you ready to say, uh, whatever you want, God? Or will God even bother looking for you? Because your life is a mess. It's not about charisma, it's about character. It's not about charisma, it's about character. In other words, your talents really don't matter. Let me ask you this. How much experience did Mary have in raising children? None. You see, I, I have said a thousand times, if I were God. Have you ever said that? If I were God, I'd zap that guy. Have you ever said, if I were a police officer? You're driving along and somebody does something. You go, man, if I were a cop, that guy would be done. I'd pull him over. I've said before, if I were God, if I were God, I'd have done a lot of things differently. I'm glad I'm not God. I'd have messed it all up. If I were God, I would say, if I'm going to trust my son to somebody, it's going to be some, some woman that's had 43 children. And they're all doctors and lawyers, and they've been raised to be good, honorable, godly people. That's, that's who I'm trusting my son to, but God didn't. See, it's not about your charisma. It's about your character. God knew that Mary had character. It wasn't about her ability. It was about her availability. Look at her answer as we look in Luke. It says, be it unto me, the handmaiden of the Lord. Do, do what you say. Let me just turn there. I'm messing it all up. Luke chapter 1. I'm over in 1 Timothy. Luke chapter 1. And the Bible says, and Mary said, verse 38, behold the handmaid of the Lord. That means, look at me, I'm right here. Be it unto me according to thy word. It wasn't about Mary's ability, it was about her availability. God didn't look through the earth and find the mother of the year that Time Magazine had designated. It didn't look at some super mom. Instead, it looked for a woman that was consecrated and available and had some character and was fit and was faithful. That's who God wanted to use. And finally, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, I learned this. It's not about my gifts. It's about grace. Do you know that word favored is the same word that we get the word grace from in the Bible? In other words, not only was she favored by God, God had shown grace unto her. We see it in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah found Grace in the eyes of the Lord. You could easily say there that Noah was favored in the eyes of the Lord. It's the exact same word. Just based on how we translate within the context. 
she was shown grace by God. Do you know that if God calls you and God uses you and you have the privilege of teaching a class or if you have a privilege of riding a bus, if you have the privilege of doing anything for God, even if it's witnessing to a neighbor or or just leaving a track on a table somewhere, if you have that privilege, that's the grace of God that you can be used of God. Here's the struggle, and we'll be finished with this. When we do it in our flesh, we dishonor God. You see what I mean? Sometimes we can be nasty to that waitress. And then we get up and we leave a gospel track. Please don't put Bethel Baptist Church on the table if you're going to be nasty to a waitress. I don't want you dishonoring the church, but boy, I don't want you dishonoring the Lord. Sometimes in our business dealings, we're not just right. And then we say to those same people, hey, come to our Christmas program. Come to our resurrection cantata. You're in the flesh. That's not grace. God didn't choose perhaps the greatest mother who ever lived. He chose one that had a love for him. One that was available. One that was consecrated. One that had some grace in her life. One that had a relationship with God. Here's the thing. God didn't know Mary to be the greatest mother. She had never been a mother. He just knew Mary. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. A lot of times we say, God, I don't think I can. He wouldn't have asked you. He, didn't, he wouldn't have asked you. He doesn't need to know your ability. He just needs to know you. He just needs to know your heart. My question for you tonight is, not what are you called to do? That's not my question. My question is, is is not are you obeying God's calling for your life? That's important too. God's called you to serve him. If, If anybody were to say, what is the will of God for me, pastor? My first answer is, I don't know. But my second answer is this, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's God's will. He wants you to be a faithful witness. And so my question is not, are you obeying God? Are you following? Here's my question for you tonight. Is your life such that God could call you? I see people sitting in a church that have honestly said this to me, oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord to show me what to do next. They're not waiting on the Lord, they're just sitting around doing nothing. I'm just being honest. Get busy for God and he'll, he'll, he'll enlarge your coast. He'll show you what's next, he'll do more. I would be pretty suspect if somebody came to me and said, Pastor, somebody called me to be a missionary to some faraway land and they weren't doing a thing for God in the local church. I would think, no, I don't think they are. God is. You're not doing it here. Why would you do it there? Is your life in a place right now that God could call you? Oh, but I just got to get that college degree. No, you don't. I just, I just need, no, all you need to do is be available. 
and have a relationship with God. God knows. God knows. Listen, there, there's not, I, I don't care who it is, if it's some super preacher that you see on TV, or your favorite preacher, is it Charles Stanley or Adrian Rogers or some, some preacher that we've seen on TV for 50 years, they've got weaknesses too. And it's by the grace of God that God uses them. So I'm asking you tonight, are you available? Do you have a relationship with God that is such that he'll just come and call you and you're ready to go? Let's stand to our feet tonight. Brother Baker's going to sing and the instruments are going to play. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar's open even now. Ask yourself this question. Is my life in a place right now that if the heavens open and the angel of the Lord came down and said, here's what God wants you to do, would you be like Mary? Are you ready to go? Or would God even bother coming to speak to you at all?